Good morning. Happy 9 o'clock, people. Good to see you here this morning. Glad you came out. We uh, have to go with plan B for tonight, but I encourage you to still come. Uh, we are going to kind of move the chairs around, change up the flow. We don't want you to feel like it's coming to church tonight instead of coming uh, to worship together as believers. So we'll we'll move some chairs around. I'm thinking I'm going to bring up all the fake trees in the church and put them around. We'll make it feel like a park, right? We'll, we'll do our best. If you have children, I want to encourage you, don't rule yourself out. There is no child care because we want our children present for worship, but they can run around. They can they can uh, mess around on the floor up front. They can You can bring blankets if you want and put them on the floor with some toys. Um, we want kids here and we want them to be kids. We don't expect them to act like mini adults. Uh, and so please, parents, and I know I say that, but mom's still like, yeah, I know, but my kid has to be perfect. No, your kid doesn't have to be perfect. We want them to be children. Uh, as your pastor, again, I encourage you, uh, don't pick on your kids a lot when they're here at church. I mean, if they're running around the lobby, if they're running around uh, outside, let them play, let them have, we want kids to have a good time at church. As a pastor, I always worry when kids come and, and they get yelled at more than anywhere else because they've got to act a certain way. I, I just think that's a bad thing. I want our children to know that they belong and they can be here and uh, enjoy it with us. So come out tonight, six o'clock, and uh, we'll, we'll have a good time here in the worship center. I know it's not the, the purpose. The purpose of doing worship in the park is to get it out of these walls and in the community. Um, and, and that's what we want to do. Uh, but sometimes you can't do what you want to do. We didn't have a rain date in the future. We're all booked up Sundays, and so we can't move the event. And I don't want to just give up the event. The team has worked on it. And so we're, we're going to come here and be doxological people. I'll explain that in my message. We're going to come here and be doxological people tonight. Enjoy the fellowship. Uh, we'll have some coffee brewed. We'll have water in coolers. And, and you, if you want to bring your own chair to feel like you're in the park, feel free to do that. Uh, no, no rules tonight. Just come and enjoy. Have a good time. Six o'clock. Probably be done around somewhere around 730, 745-ish. Uh, so please come out and enjoy tonight. We're in Ephesians. I'm going to have you uh, open your Bibles or turn on a gadget. I'll meet you in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. We're going to start with verse 3 today. Last week, we were able to speak through Ephesians 1, 1 and 2, uh, the two first verses talking about who wrote it and all of those kind of things. So we're, we're just now getting into our book of Ephesians. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? You don't have to say this out loud, but I'd encourage you just to pray. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, we pray that you would be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. I want to read the context first this morning, and then we'll walk through the passage and see what it has for us. Ephesians 1, we're going to go through verse 14, 3 through 14. I'll read, you follow along. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the rich riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. God had his blessing to the reading of scripture this morning, and it is a blessing. It is a blessing. Everybody say blessing. Blessing. This whole section is the greatest blessing chapter in the whole book. Uh, Ephesians starts with all the blessings we have in Christ. Because of Jesus, we are so blessed. I ask our team to start with that song. They're not as comfortable with it as I am. I kind of I kind of like the groove kind of thing, you know, the I'm so blessed. Hallelujah, I'm blessed, right? Uh, on my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of I ought to make them do the two step, right? Maybe 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 if they did the sway. You're the reason why I'm so blessed. I think Paul would have broke out singing this song through his message, this this actual prayer. It's an actual prayer. We'll get to that. A blessing. And he starts the whole book out with how blessed we are. So I I remind you, last week we we taught you these things in the book of Ephesians. It's gospel-centered, so you got to know some gospel grammar. First it's done, then do. He's not going to start his book by telling you as believers what you should do. Do this, do that, do this, do that. We got a list, a laundry list. There's some things that we definitely need to be doing as believers, but it shouldn't start there. It always has to start with done, what Christ has done. Oh, that song we just said, what he's done, what he's done, all the glory and... You're looking at me like I'm a crazy person, but we're going to sing a lot today. If you haven't noticed, we're talking about how blessed we are and how that should lead to praise, praise and worship. Not all of you are singers. How many of you would just be honest and raise your hand and say, I'm not really a singer. Go ahead and raise your hand. All right. For those people, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All right. A holy grunt will do. Uh, that's fine. You don't have to be a great singer, but we ought to be people of worship and praise. You ought to, you ought to just pour out in praise. And that's, that's exactly what Paul is doing in literature and writing. He's just saying, oh, Lord, look what we have in Jesus. And he just starts listing thing after thing after thing. And if you don't start to sing as a Christian by the time he's done, you're, you're, maybe you ought to look at your heart. Maybe like the Grinch, your heart is two sizes too small, right? Again, you don't have to be a great singer, but you ought to be a person of Praise. What does that mean? I don't know what it means for you who aren't singers. I'm, I'm hopelessly 
uh, making noise to the Lord. I'm just hopelessly doing it all the time. You've heard me say this, but my family has an ongoing joke about going shopping with me. They hate going shopping with me because apparently I sing in the aisles and I don't even know it. I'm walking through Myers, you know, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. You know, and people are probably like, what's up with that dude, right? I just, uh, and Julie says, oh, you've got a song in your heart. <laughs> it's kind of like that Southern thing, bless your heart, that's what she's actually saying. I just like to sing. And, and, and they know that when they're with dad, oh, he's going to be singing out loud in public. That's why they stay aisles away. If you ever see me and Julie in a store, you'll notice I'm not with her. She gives me little tasks and errands. She's like, okay, now you go find these three things. What she's saying is, get away from me, you crazy singing person. <laughs> and I, I love to sing. I hope you love to sing. I love to give praise to God while I still have breath. Let me sing his praises. A Thursday ago, I was with a college age, and we were talking about Psalm chapter 6. And one of the things David does when talking to the Lord about all his enemies and how he feels like he's going to be taken over at any moment, one of the things he says to the Lord is, what good am I going to do to you if I'm dead? Do dead people praise you? And I kind of like that. David just being very honest with God. Hey, God, if I die here... I'm not going to go on singing because I'm a musician. You know, it says so in the book of Psalms right there in front of the musician, David. And David says to God, if I'm dead, dead men don't sing. One of the things that you do as a believer on this planet, while you still get to suck air for free is you lift up praises to God, a testimony, uh, a word of praise, a word of glory. That's what we do. Some of you heard my message uh, a year ago or so when we talked about uh, musicals and how Christians ought to be the only real musical, right? Musicals are weird. They just are. Um, you know, high school musical, I don't know what high school you've been at, but I don't see the teens running around busting out into song everywhere they go about everything, right? But uh, in real life, people say that never happens, I told you the story that I was sitting at home one night because my wife decided to take the girls out. And she had a girls' night out. I didn't know what they were doing, but they took off. And I'm enjoying football or whatever at home alone. And and all of a sudden, they come back. And uh, in comes uh, my middle child, Emily. And she had the time of her life. And she came in skipping and singing. And she was just happy as can be. And my wife came in smiling from ear to ear. She got to spend the whole evening with her two daughters. She was happy as can be. And I'm like, oh, it looks like they had a great time. And then in came my eldest child. And she slammed the door. She walked over to me. She goes, that was stupid. And I'm like, whoa, what, 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 what do you mean? She goes, do you know we went and saw a movie? I said, I heard you were going to a movie. I said, what'd you go see? Les Miserables. <laughs> it was, and, it, and it must have been miserable for her because apparently it's a musical. And she did not know that. And she said, dad, that's so stupid. Who breaks out singing? Who just breaks out singing? And that started me down a path. She walked away in a huff. It started me on a path that I wrote a whole series based on the fact that Christians ought to be people like that. We ought to be people who just bust out in song. We ought to be living musicals. When you see something happen, you start to praise the Lord. Only, only for believers does this make sense. For the world, it doesn't make sense. 
You know, theirs is all temporary. Ours is not temporary. It's permanent. It's eternal. Are you a living musical to the glory of God? Are you giving praise to God in everything you do, in every facet you live? When we read this passage, we learn that we have so much because of Christ. The big idea is blessings. Just one word. Everybody say it. Blessings. Ready? Blessing. The context is simple. I'm so blessed. I want you to say it out loud. Say, I'm so blessed. Ready? One, two, three. I'm so. Now, do you mean it? Do, do you mean it? Do you know that you are so blessed? Are you ashamed to be a believer that just expresses your praise and glory to God? I got to go up north for a little bit and I, I, I left by myself Thursday evening. And of course, I put on the playlist for tonight's uh, worship in the park and I was listening to it in the car and I'm singing, I'm trying to find my part and I'm trying to listen. And, and I, you know, but then on the way home yesterday, yesterday evening, I left and, and I was driving home by myself and I put on the same playlist, but this time something different happened in me. I, I don't know how much practice I got in because instead of practicing for parts, I started worshiping in song, and I was just moved. Can you imagine going 85 miles an hour down 75 Saturday evening, and you pass a gray Ford F-150, and inside's this guy singing at the top of his lung while weeping. Tears are just flying down my face. And I'm not only worshiping in song, I'm lifting the holy hands. Who knows who's driving the car at this point? Can you imagine driving past a, a Ford F-150 and you see that look? I mean, there's probably a lot of people calling the cops yesterday. <laughs> you better pull this guy over. He's having a something. <laughs> Do you get overwhelmed? See, I'm so blessed. It's hard to contain it. Psalm 23.6 was my senior pastor's favorite verse, Brian Spencer. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In just that verse, you should know that you are so blessed. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Just that promise. Do you know that goodness and mercy follows you, believer, every day? Do you believe it does? Some of you are like, it's not happening to me. My life's a mess. I got pro I'm not saying we don't have problems, but in light of what we have, they should start to fade. You remember that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing with me, Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Oh, good, we gotta learn our hymns. We need to know those things. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Do you, do you have some things that you need to go dim? Are there some problems you're going through right now that you need to go dim? The best method is to look to Jesus and what we have already, the guarantees and the promise, because then all of a sudden the, the nonsense stuff starts to fade away. We're so caught up in the temporary and we forget the eternal. We're so blessed. 
We have eternity. My pastor who, who looked at this verse, the older he got, the more it meant. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Remember in his 70s, he would stop there and he'd start to cry. And he'd say, Don, it's true. God's word is true. All the days of my life, goodness and mercy were on my heels. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a promise. Even when this life ends, there's a promise of forever in eternity with the Lord. And that's where Brian Spencer's at today. All the things of earth grew strangely dim. And he's spending eternity with his Lord and Savior. Oh, we're so blessed. I'm so blessed. The context of this passage is also praise God for living hope. Isn't hope a good thing? Am I talking to a dead audience this morning? You have no hope. Come on, audience. Wake up this morning. Do you have hope? There's hope. Hope is a glorious thing. Hope is a beautiful thing. There's hope. And we have a living hope because of the power of Jesus, not a martyred Savior, but a living Savior who rose again from death to life, defeating death and sin once and for all. We have hope. Everybody say hope. There's hope. That'll keep you going. Right? Hope. Hang on to hope. And praise God for living power. Not only do we have hope in this life, and for the future, but God has given us living power. In this passage, he talks about how he gave us his Holy Spirit. Deposit guarantee. Better than a Michigan 10 cent return. The Lord gave us the Holy Spirit in us as a deposit guaranteeing he'll come back again. He gave us part of himself so that we would have it inside with us. And then he's not taking that back until he comes again. And then that deposit, it's guaranteeing. You as a believer are guaranteed. I know some of you don't believe in eternal security. That's fine. I'm always careful as a pastor. You don't always have to agree with me. And I don't have to make you feel uh, right. Okay. (laughs) But the Bible to me is so clear that in our salvation, true salvation, I know there's a lot of people who claim salvation that probably aren't. I'm not, I don't want to get into linguistics, but for those who are truly saved, those who are truly born again, it's not because of what you do or what you've done. It's about what he's done, and it's a deposit guaranteeing your salvation. People forget about that. They're like, well, if you blow it, he's going to just uh, take you off the list. He's going to, that book of life, somehow he's got pencil, and he's going to keep erasing your name. Okay, you put it back in. All right, I'm erasing him today. And that's just nonsense to me. Don't even think about the Holy Spirit. What's he doing with the Holy Spirit? He gave you as a deposit guarantee. Are you ripping that bag out and he's putting it back in, putting it back out? You guys are having major heart surgery a thousand times a day. I'm telling you, I'm so blessed that I believe that God's gift of salvation is an eternal gift and he doesn't take it away from me. I didn't earn it in the first place. Somehow there's this idea that you gotta somehow be right enough. What? He saved me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. This passage tells me that before the creation of the world, he chose me. How could I have earned anything when I wasn't even a whisper yet? Before the creation of the world. Wow, I I believe he doesn't write our names in the book of life in pencil. I think he writes it in blood. 
And I don't think it's, it's, it's to be taken lightly. Believer, don't trample on that doctrine of, of eternal security. Don't trample on it because if you trample all over it saying, well, it doesn't matter what I do or how I live. And it's all by grace, all by grace. Well, don't, don't trample on that. Those who trample on grace probably never really received it. And I'm not one to judge, but I'm here to tell you there's just a lot of semantics around eternal security and losing your salvation. I just happen to think once you're saved, you're always saved. But there's a lot of people who think they're saved that truly never experience saving grace. And I'm not the only one who thinks that. Matthew chapter 7 says many on that day, many are going to say, well, Lord, I was at church. I did great things. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So don't trample on this, but God has given us his living hope and living power. I'm so blessed. So let's talk about the content that's in this passage. What this is, is actually a barakat, not a barakel. Barakel is where God has blessed. That's the camp we go to. It's called barakel. Two words, bara, el, barak, el. By the way, the word barak, Barak means blessing. El, E-L, El Shaddai, all those things. El means God. So God blessing, blessing God. Where God has blessed is what Barakel means. It always bothered me that Barack Obama didn't ever use that in his slogans. Barak means blessing. Did you know that? I'm not, you know, you determine whether it was a blessing or not. But Barak means blessing. And, and he never, I don't remember him ever, maybe just he was afraid of do, doing anything religious with that, but it's definitely his name comes from the root of this whole thing. Barak, Barakel is where God is blessed. Barakat is a prayer of blessing. And this, this whole thing, Paul in, in Ephesians 1 does a prayer of blessing. Very traditional Jewish thing here. Uh, as a Jewish boy, he would have grown up and his mom would have probably often prayed this every day, the barakat. It starts with, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, the God who gave us, and then the list of things. It was a daily thing. Thank you, God. It's kind of like our prayers. Thank you, God, for our food. Um, you know, whatever you say. I don't know, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay, God. I don't know what you say, right? Uh, but, but we do this little thing, right, sometimes before we eat. Well, this was a barakat, a prayer of blessing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. And then you can add the list. And this is what Paul does. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God. And then here comes the list of our blessings. God shows us in love. I'm actually astonished. I understand how deep theological things can throw people into a spiral. But God's choosing is predestination. These are such touch words and people get so out of whack. And I'm just amazed by that because goodness, I'm so thankful I was chosen. I'm so blessed that he chose me. My same pastor who loved that verse in Psalm, who, who wrote this blessing on everything he wrote, it ended with that word blessings. That same pastor would tell me, he remembered when he was living in Chicago, he'd walk out and stand on his step and think, why, Lord, isn't Bob saved? Why isn't John saved? How come Paul doesn't know you? And here I am. You chose me. Why? And I know these are hard things, and I'm not downing those. And if you struggle with that, again, I'm not here to pick on you. If you don't agree uh, with the thought of predestination, Calvinism, and all that stuff that people go honkers over, I just, 
just can you back off of that a little bit and just be thankful that you're in? I don't know how you explain how you got in. Anything but the word God next means works. You know, if, if you're saying you got in because of something you did, then we're, we're in trouble, okay? But if you believe that you're saved because of God, period, then relax. You can't read Ephesians chapter 1 and the blessings of God without seeing chosen, predestined. And then just to make sure, Paul doubles down, chosen, predestined, before the foundation of the world. I mean, you can disagree with it if you want. But in scripture, it says you were chosen. And why that beautiful thing has been turned against God. He chose, if he chose me, then he didn't choose somebody else. Would you, would you say that? Would you dare say that to a family who decides to take in a child who wasn't born of their own? Maybe they got on a plane and went to China, spent two weeks there, went to an orphanage, selected a child, had to fly home, came back two weeks later, brought that child home, gave him a good home. And it, would you look at that person and say, how dare you? You didn't bring home all the children in China? You're an awful person. That's what we've done with God. We've made this beautiful thing that he adopted us and turned it into some awful thing. There's an old story about an old man on a beach. You ever hear this story? He's walking down the beach after a big storm and all the starfish had blown in. And, and he's walking down the beach and he picks up a starfish and he throws it back in. And he walks a little more and he picks up another starfish and he throws it in the ocean. People are watching this old man just kind of walking every three feet and picking up one starfish, leaving hundreds, right? But he's throwing starfish back in the ocean. Finally, some young guy just couldn't take it. And the young man came up and said, oh man, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? He said, well, I'm saving some starfish. I'm giving them back life. Maybe they'll survive. Maybe the seagulls won't come and eat them. Maybe, Maybe they'll survive. He goes, but you're missing you're missing some. What, what does it matter? You're missing a ton. He goes to the young man as he reached down, picked up a starfish, and he says, it matters to this one. It matters to this one that God plucked me out of destruction, and he chose me and adopted me. It matters to me. And so why am I going to look up at him and judge him for what he does in his God realm? Because his God realm, I, I'm not welcome there. If you think you're welcome into the God realm of why God does what he does, read Job. Have you read Job and all he went through and he finally questions God? Do we hear what God says to Job? Where were you when I hung the star? God chose us. How could we possibly turn that into some negative issue? He chose us, and Paul does something beautiful here. He could have just said chose us, but he chose us in love. It was a loving act that God chose to save some. Again, I don't want to mess with you too much this morning. I know I'm already pushing buttons a little bit. I don't mean to. Paul did it. But... Uh, I forgot where I was going to go with that. 
I'll just move on. God adopted us, calls us his own. He took us into his home. We who were far away, he made us near. I'm so blessed. I'm so, I'm so blessed. Once an enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. The Bible says we won't once, we're far away, but through Jesus, he brought us near. He brought us into his own home, into his table. How blessed can we be that we're children of God? We're his kids. He accepts us. I, I, I just can't get my head around that. Why would he accept me, right? There, there's people that don't accept Don Jackson. There are people that, that don't prefer me, right? And I'm sure there are people that don't prefer you. But in his wisdom, God chose to accept us. Not unknowingly, right? I mean, sometimes I do premarital counseling and these couples are getting married. And sometimes I'm thinking, does she know what she's getting into? You know, does she, does she really see this? I mean, I hope she really understands what's coming, you know. I, sometimes we... We, we have a blind eye, right? Blind eye because of love and we overlook some things we should have seen. Not with God. See, God doesn't love you with an ooey-gooey love that he's just overlooking who you really are. No, he knows you. That's why David in Psalm 130, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you're familiar with all my thoughts before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, oh Lord. See, David knew how much God knew him, but David knew how much he was still accepted. That's a beautiful thing, to understand your acceptance by God. Wow, he accepts us. He redeemed us through the blood of Jesus. This is an interesting concept, by the way. We're more familiar with this. They weren't as much so. They were familiar with forgiveness. You would come and get forgiveness for your sins, but this whole thing of redemption did not have a a huge play until, I'm going to put the next one up because God graciously forgives our sins. Usually in scripture, when it talks about redemption, it always goes to one major story. Do you know what it is? It's those people of Israel, you know, running from Egypt, right? And they're running, they're on the run, they're going to be slaughtered. They have chariots and horses and weapons and the people of Israel have nothing. Over a million people on the run, not, not easy to hide, right? If you're, if you're thinking the people of Israel are easy to hide in the wilderness, no, there's a million people and they're headed somewhere and now they're stuck because the body of water's in the way. Here's the Dead Sea, not the Reed Sea, don't watch Discovery Channel. The Red Sea, here it is, right in front of them. They can't go under it. They can't go over it. They can't get around it. They're stuck. And here comes the army. The cloud behind them. They're toast. Have you ever felt like that? Anybody in the room ever feel like toast? Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And then what happens? God redeems them. He rescues them. He makes a way for them. And that's where this idea comes from in the Old Testament. And Paul's reminding the people that God not only forgives, but he redeems you through the blood of Jesus. You're, you're bought back. You are paid in full. When there seems to be no hope for you, God makes a way. Mm. Somebody name a song. We gotta, I gotta have a song for that. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. 
Remember that song? Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. You are not a happy crowd this morning. You're not going to get me down. Uh-uh, you're not getting me down. See, I'm doing this twice today, all right? You're my prep because my second audience is going to like this, okay? <laughs> Forgiven and redeemed. What a beautiful thing. And then there's this little thing. There's a caveat there that people skip over. It's such a blessing that God made his plan of salvation known. What? I mean, this is kind of a weird thing, but Paul's like, praise God. He left this mystery out of the bag so everybody could know about it. And this is where the you and the me and the we's become important. You guys might think pronouns aren't important, but it's important here in Ephesians 1. Because when he's talking about you, he's talking about the non-Jewish people. And when he's talking about the we, he means the Jewish people. And he talked about how we were saved. But then he says, and you too. So he's talking about how everybody... Not by race, but by grace. Everybody. It was revealed God's plan of salvation would come through Jesus Christ. Just, just to know it. Isn't it a beautiful thing? What a blessing. To know it. God had a plan. What else do we find here? God gives us an eternal inheritance. Ah, oh, this world is not my home. You know, I'm just passing through. I've got a mansion. Just over the hilltop. Anybody know that song? Oh, man. Okay, one of our new adult equipping groups is him. Hymologies PD, uh, Wednesday nights, okay? Uh, we, we need to sing these old songs that remind us of how God has blessed us. Not only has he blessed us here, but now Paul starts turning the tide and saying, and you might not be so happy here right now, and that's okay. You've got an eternal inheritance. You've got something good to look forward to. No matter how bad things might look for you today, there is a, a wonderful inheritance waiting for you. What a great thing. My father-in-law, again, my wife's an only child. Yes. So my father-in-law, he, he, we go see him. And he's got that house that used to be on a lake. Hopefully it's going to be a lake again soon, right? Hopefully the water comes back. And he's been doing things. He's putting in a fire pit. You know, and I, and I wish he'd talk to me first because I wouldn't have done it that way. I'd, I'd have done it different. You might like, what does it matter to you? I'm hoping to live there someday. <laughs> he, he was telling me, I'm thinking about selling. I'm like, selling what? He goes, selling my house. Joe, I plan on retiring here. You can't sell this. And then he's going to put on a whole new deck. And he had the, the nerve to ask me, should I put regular wood back or should I put composite? He goes, because, you know, they tell me that regular wood, you know, in probably 15, 20 years, I'm going to have to do this all again. What should I do? Put in the good stuff. That's my answer. Put in the stuff that'll last forever for the next person. <laughs> I'm watching him, what he does. I'm watching everything he does around the house, you know, and I'm like, someday. I plan on sitting on this porch and drinking coffee. Someday. How, how minor compared to what we have in eternity, you know? The truth is, he's probably going to outlive me, that rascal. And we were talking the other day, and I was like, wait a second. Your parents lived to the 80s. and the, Oh, my goodness, these people don't die. 
The Jacksons, on the other hand, we die. <laughs> so he's going to outlive me. But you know what? That's okay. I plan on drinking God's Java juice someplace else someday. And it's going to be wonderful in heaven. I'm sure there's going to be coffee. Amen. And I know there's going to be singing. Amen. And even you bad singers, you know, we'd be nice to you down here, make a joyful noise and all that kind of stuff we lie about. But the truth is, in heaven, we're all going to sing. We're all going to hit the high notes. We're all going to be able to worship. It's going to be great. This is going to be a great, a positive, eternal inheritance. Not this puny stuff we look forward to here. God seals us with this Holy Spirit. I don't know. If you can leave today still just thinking about your problems, then I failed you. We, we're going to sing a song tonight. I brought our list there's a song that I'm not too familiar with. It's called God Problems. So many good words. There's just some problems only God can fix. All of my trials wore me down to this. I've seen it happen time and time again. There's just some problems only God can fix. Hmm. There's just some battles flesh and blood can't win. There'll be some moments that just don't make sense. Can't see it now, but I'm still convinced. There's just some problems only God can fix. You got some God problems? Anybody have a God problem today? (laughs) You know, God's big enough to fix those problems. Sometimes we just... Don't praise him in the storm like we should. Years ago, uh, I was driving. I was the international youth speaker guy, which means I was traveling the country. Um, Now I was really poor at planning. If somebody called me and and they're in northern Wisconsin, they'd ask me if I'd come speak on a Friday night. I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. Didn't realize it's eight and a half hour drive and eight and a half hour drive back, you know, and and I would do that all the time and driving. Sometimes I'd fly, uh, you know, to a different country or uh, we had this terrible minivan. It was off. I won't tell you which brand, but it's one of the three people that I should go strike because of that minivan right now. I should say, what was that? It was a pain. It was, it was not the greatest. I kept it running and, and I used it all the time to get back and forth to all these speaking. I put thousands, hundreds of thousands of miles on this minivan. Julie and I went out on a November, early November evening. And by the way, the first Snowfall of the year in Michigan is November 9th. That's my birthday. It always happens. And it was early November and we went uh, to Marshall, Michigan from Battle Creek and in and, and the country road. We're driving. It's icy. I'm trying to stay slow enough to control the vehicle, but a deer jumps out in front of us and I nail it. I mean, I hit it right in the front middle of the minivan. And it was hard. He, he, he came out just at the right time. I barely got to slow down. I'm glad I didn't hit my brakes. I would have spun out, but I hit him and things just flew. And Julie goes, Oh, do you think he's dead? I'm like, well, well, honey, his head went that way and his body's in the cornfield. Yeah. He, I hit him hard and it, and it, V'd. There was a V in the front of my, it pushed it up into the engine block. It was destroyed. And she, Julie's like, do you think we can fix it? I'm like, mm, no, it's gone. And they took that junky old minivan uh, in a tow truck away. And then I started getting a little mad at God. I'm like, God, I mean, I needed that van. 
God, don't you know that I used that van to drive to speak your name? Give me my van back. I want, I want my van back. You know, and I, I got a little ugly, like, God, I'm your servant. Is this how you treat your servant? Anybody ever act like that? No, none of you ever do that, right? Things go wrong. I went and started shopping for a vehicle. I, I was living, I used to live on a youth pastor's salary, but during those years, I'd given up that salary, and now I'm a missionary. I'm on missionary funds, which means you have no idea what you, it's whatever people send in. That's Being a missionary, that's what it really means. You, you have no idea what's coming in. A lot might come in one month, hardly anything might come in another month, and so... We went shopping. I went shopping. Julie wouldn't even go with me. I, I went shopping and I went to the, to the dealership and I, and I found a car that we could afford. I'm like, we can afford this car. And I was so excited. And I brought her down, got her, picked her up, took her to the, and we drove to the parking lot and I'm like, that's it. She goes, take me home. She goes, that's an ugly car. It's a dumb car. And she goes, have you got in it? I was like, no. She goes, you don't fit in it. You're too big. I'm like, dang it, now she's getting nasty. <laughs> I can tell she's a little miffed. Maybe she was going through her little list with God too, right? And I'm like, we need to do something, but we can't afford anything else. And so I'm going to have to buy this crappy car. I went to bed that night and again had some words with God. God, I needed that van. I used that van. Now what am I supposed to do? Got up the next day and I, 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 I was just going to go do it. I was just going to go buy that crappy car. Didn't want the car, but it ran. According to Julie, I'm too fat. I mean, I'm too big to fit in the car. The phone rang early that morning. It was somebody from our church. The husband said, my wife and I were talking last night and we were afraid you were going to buy a stupid car. We don't think you should go buy a stupid car. He says, is it okay if I came by and dropped off a check for $5,000 just to help you out a little bit? I'm like, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yes. <laughs> I said, oh, man, thank you. I told Julie, I said, man, I, we need to go shopping again. Maybe we can do a little better than that car. Julie's dad had called and he was asking about the process because I told him what car I was going to buy. And I told him the story. I said, man, some, some people in our church called and said they were worried that we were going to buy a stupid car. So they gave us $5,000. He goes, Don, that's why I'm calling. I'm afraid you're going to buy a stupid car too. So I'll match their 5000 One morning, Julie and I were given $10,000. That makes a big difference when you don't have much, to go buy a car. Then I started thinking, oh, sorry, God. I've been complaining about that crappy van. You finally found a way for me to get out of it. (laughs) You had something much better in mind and in store for us if we'd just be patient. Oh, we've got problems. I know this world is full of disappointments. But Ephesians 1 shows up. And I think we ought to read it over and over again. Because when things are at their worst, God's still at his best. So here's the challenge to consider. Worship and praise, it won't change your situation. However, worship and praise has the power to change you in your situation. Anybody ever experienced that before? Oh... I'm not 
going to be one of those pastors that tells you if you pray enough or send enough money in that all of your problems will go away. No, it, it just, life happens and it's going to keep happening. But worship and praise kind of changes who you are and how you respond to those situations. And we're called to a new way of living and this is where I'll wrap it up. We're called to be doxological people. It's a new phrase I want us to pick up on here. We're doxological people. Doxology is, we practiced it last Sunday in our closing. We're going to sing it again today. The word is a two-part word. Doxa means praise or glory. And logos, so a doxology, logos means words. So we are to be people with a word of praise to God. We ought to be people that have a word to give glory to God. That's how we ought to be in all situations, both good and bad. I was there in the hospital when Brian Spencer, my pastor, got the news that his wife had cancer, and it was bad. I was standing right next to him when the doctor gave him the word, I was standing right there when he turned around and looked at me and he said, Don, the Lord gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. He's with her today. He's, he's reunited with his wife. We need an eternal view for this life to make sense. We've been so blessed, we must be people of praise. That's really what it comes down to. We've been so blessed, we must be people of praise. So you might not be singers, you might not be one that just busts out in song and mires, that's okay, that's not mandatory here. But we ought to be people of praise, even if it's just silently worshiping while others around you sing it. We ought to experience the joy of giving God the glory. I'll have my team come up if they would and get ready to close us out. There's a, a new song we're going to sing tonight that Phil's going to lead, and it's got a personal story for him. It's called Mercy. Maybe that's why it's so hard to communicate the level of blessing people feel. I, I'm convinced that those of us who know that we don't deserve heaven are more thankful for it. There's, there's a lot of Christians out there that are miserable people, They're miserable here. I hope they're not going to be miserable in heaven. But they just seem to be miserable people. And I don't understand that because we're so blessed. I don't see how there's any cause for believers today to be so ornery and so sour-faced. You know, why do we we walk around miserable and making other people miserable? It's unseemly for the children of God. We ought to be people, doxological people, because we are so blessed. We have so much to be thankful for in the song Phil's going to sing tonight. I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. He turned my whole life upside down, took the bad, took the old, and he made it new. That's just what the mercy of God can do. Verse 2 is really pointed. It said, I thought I deserved to be 
six feet beneath the earth for all the things I've done and the things I've said, the choices made that I regret. Oh, I would still be lost but for the for the mercy of God. We're so blessed. Today, if you sit here and there's been a time in your life when you've asked God to forgive you of your sin and come into your life as Savior and Lord, then you've got all that you need. His love, His Holy Spirit. And I'm not telling you life's going to be perfect and easy and full of free from pain. It, this world, you'll have troubles, the Bible said. But take heart. He's overcome this world. And so we're so blessed. So when you go through a hard time, I'm going to challenge you to do something different. Think doxologically. (laughs) That's a new word too. How can I praise God in the middle of this storm? How can I be thankful? What do I have because of Jesus that this terrible situation doesn't remove? And now always ask yourself, what do you think God's doing? Some of us are crying out for our old minivans because we knew that it was comfortable. God, don't take that away. And he's like, I got something better. I've got something better. By the way, the analogy falls apart because the car I did buy was really great, but it's dead. I gave it to my daughter. Yesterday, I was driving home on 75 and I, I didn't pass, but I got past uh, Corvette mid-engine Corvette went past me at about 125. He was flying. Didn't even have time to see me singing and praising. He just went so fast. But I did catch his license plate as he drove by in that beautiful red Corvette. My God. Immediately I thought, that's your God. That's your God? I mean, it's really fun now, no doubt. It's fun. But the transmission's going to go someday. You're going to have to change those tires. The engine's going to blow. You're going to hand it down to your kid who's not going to take care of it like you did. That's your God? Phew, my God. Oh, you can have him. (laughs) Mine's so much better than that. And so we're doxological people. Why don't you stand with us?